welcome to episode 62 of Instant Expertise Marketing. Thank you for listening in. Sherry and I are super excited to begin this mini series of podcast episodes covering how to create compelling offers at different stages of the customer journey. Naturally, we're starting at the top of the, <laughs> you know, we're starting at the very top of the funnel with the awareness stage. I'm Yvette Brown, co-founder of X Promos. I became an entrepreneur at 23 by starting my own promotions agency with my then 29-year-old business partner, Sherry Nomadi. So guess what? That makes me the older, wiser one, Sherry Nomadi. And as you know, Yvette and I approach business from very opposite ends of the spectrum, and yet we do <laughs> always come to the same conclusions on how we will help our clients succeed. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we're really big believers in the power of the offers. We've seen it firsthand, their impact after personally developing and executing countless campaigns for over 33 years now for Fortune 500 companies and everyday name brands. And that is from B2C and B2B companies alike. Yep. And you already know that you need a lot of people at the top of the funnel to find and then convert just one buyer. Like if to get one, you need a whole bunch of people to start out with. The key is to attract a group that looks most like the ones that are going to buy. And then you have to call and nurture, nurture them until they do. We know that offers when developed strategically and applied smartly, they just work. And we are committed to sharing our knowledge with you so that you can level up your next marketing campaign without blowing your budget. So now we will talk specifically about what works at the top of the funnel in the awareness stage. Now the awareness stage is when your brand is trying to get seen and noticed by some of your best prospects and your potential buyer doesn't even know who you are yet. That's right. They know that you have a problem and may start looking for a solution. And that, that guys, is where you come in. Yep. And your content strategy, no doubt, is focused on, already focused on answering the questions that these prospects have at this very early stage. Mm -hmm. They're not looking for a specific solution. They just know they want to fix this problem. Okay. They don't want to know right now about how you compare to your competitors they definitely don't want a demo and they do not want to talk to sales. They are like you are at the department store, just browsing. <laughs> That's such a great way to put it, Yvette. I'm just right? browsing. I'm just browsing. I'm just browsing. Uh, okay. So the marketers though, they often want to know firsthand what kind of content works best for tofu or top of the funnel. You'll hear us interchange those terms throughout this podcast. The answer to an extent is all of it. Yeah. Why? Well, because the majority of the B2B buyers, according to a recent demand gen report, are now consuming three to seven pieces of content before even thinking about reaching out to sales. And there's an additional 11% of those prospects that are consuming over seven pieces of content before they will engage with sales. And all of that content consumption is yet another reminder that the customer journey is more like a playground than a pathway. 
data shows that buyers want to research on their own Mm -hmm. and you need to meet them where they are at. You can kind of think of your content and your offers as an ecosystem. To be successful, you need to diversify your content the same way that healthy biomes and stock portfolios use diversity to thrive. Mm -hmm. The strength of these systems lies in the number of different connected pieces. That's right. And like Yvette mentioned, it's not a pathway. It really is a playground. So that means that no two prospects will take the same journey to purchase. And creating content that answers questions and delivers helpful advice. Remember to close with an offer that will guide your prospects to the next step in the customer journey, which might be another piece of content or reaching out to sales. Exactly. And that's really the the mantra we want you to remember is content and close with an offer. Okay. That helps them to that next step. Like Sherry said, there is no one right piece of content, but of course, some forms of content will resonate with more buyers than others. So we didn't want to leave you hanging with the, oh, there is no such thing as good content versus bad content. We wanted to share with you four solid forms of early stage content that you should be developing for your tofu awareness efforts. So first let's talk about infographics. They resonate with buyers for several reasons. The first is that they have proven to be highly shareable. Yeah. HubSpot says infographics are shared and liked on social media three times more than any other kind of content. And when you're focused on building awareness, that is a great thing. That is a really great thing. And the other reason that infographics work so well is that they deliver potent stats and quick hitting insights that make them memorable and easy to share, not just on social media, but also with the buying committee. Okay. And that is really important. Now, what we will tell you about infographics from our perspective is you can and should level them up in at least two key ways. First of all, figure out how to make them interactive. And even if that just means the little charts are spinny or whatever, make them more engaging. And secondly, make them more specific and relevant to your target audience. Consider versioning your infographics, for instance, for critical business verticals. And this will also serve you really well in your ABM efforts, for example. Absolutely. The next hot category of awareness content is blogs. Yes, blogs. Blogs. (laughs) Just keep on blogging, guys. Multiple marketing studies support the belief that blogs can effectively help acquire new customers and drive revenue. Some 54% of demand gen report respondents reported consuming blog content before engaging with a vendor. And site visitors often enter via blog topics, which makes blog successful. It's a very successful distribution point for thought leadership. So think about that. Exactly. And our third category of uh, successful content is podcasts. In one study, 76% of B2B buyers indicated that they had used or listened to podcasts 
to research and evaluate business purchases. Mm -hmm. And like blogs, podcasts are a great way to establish thought leadership and authority in a space. And next up is white papers. And they're very important in the content category at the top of the funnel. When you can offer a very compelling stat-backed educational resource that your target audience really cares about and can use, it helps establish you as that great thought leader. In fact, 75% of buyers are willing to share their contact information in exchange for white paper gold. So start creating your gold. Exactly. So mm -hmm. there you have it. The most effective top of the funnel content forms, by no means an exhaustive list, is our infographics, blogs, podcasts, and white papers. But they're not the only way to build tofu engagement. One very under the radar and underutilized secret weapon in the arsenal of demand gen marketers is gamification. One of our favorites. That's right. And companies like ABM, HubSpot, Hootsuite, and Salesforce have all relied on sweepstakes in recent years to help drive leads, actually drive leads. According mm -hmm. to the available data, each campaign that they have run with a sweepstakes has driven roughly 5,000 leads and with a conversion rate that ranges from 26 to 54%. Of course, we love all things about sweepstakes games. So let's just talk about some of the reasons why we love it. Number one, well, they're flexible. They can work as a standalone campaign across social media, paid media. They can work as a bolt-on component to a top of the funnel content. They can work as a next step offer. Clients love that sweepstakes budgets are fixed. Absolutely. That is, the number of prizes stays consistent no matter how many entries. So you know what your exposure will be. Yep. There's no um, threats of over-redemption. So <laughs> that's, now, that's right. Naturally, there are some critical considerations that you have to, to look at to make a sweepstakes work, especially at the top of the funnel. First and foremost, the prizes. They must be specifically relevant to the target audience and ideally not relevant to anyone else. This is absolutely critical. HubSpot and Salesforce, as an example, each offered trips to their own conferences as prizes, as a grand prize in, in some of their sweepstakes. In that way, they knew going into it they would only attract people that were interested at least in their industry. So that was like a place to start kind of repelling everybody who wasn't um, interested in that space. Additionally, the entry requirements must be frictionless. So you have to create this positive customer experience and not ask for too much information, because if you do, you will see your engagement drop. Yeah, that's really, that's really important. And there are some sneaky ways that you can add in a question here or there and get some other useful information, but you really have to be um, air to the side of caution of not asking too much information. <laughs> now, the game must also be built and to support and align with your existing marketing initiatives. For instance, we recently ran a sweepstakes that ended, I don't know, like a week ago, 
um, that specifically enticed customers to visit a website. Like this was sort of a microsite of um, one of our clients. To make that happen, we chose compelling uh, prizes that aligned with the benefit of the content at that target site and it made it we made it easy for customers to participate. So to back that up, you know, we created an email campaign that talked about why the customer would want to go to the site to begin with and we tied the rewards specifically to those benefits, okay? How did it do? Well, we doubled the average open rate and doubled the click-through rate, and we exceeded their um, target website visitors by 115%. So we think that's a win. Absolutely. And when you built these strategically, the sweepstakes and games can engage and capture interest from prospects unlike any other kind of offer. Yeah. And most importantly, please keep this in mind, you need a follow-up nurture campaign in place. Once you've acquired their name and an email address, you can now start separating prospects from uninterested parties through email sequences and send your messages accordingly. Yeah. And, you know, Sherry, that's such an important point about the follow up, because we see this um, not just in sweepstakes that we run online, but the same thing when your sales team gathers leads from a trade show or some, you know, sponsorship event or whatever it is, you have to have something in place. So as soon as those leads become available, no matter what quality you think they are, you can drop them into a nurture funnel and start separating right away the good from the bad because anybody that is good, they're going to move along quickly. And the more time that you waste not talking to them is an opportunity that you might lose a hot lead. So really important to do that. But anyway, um, online gamification, kind of as I just, I think, alluded to, is far from the only way to drive awareness at the top of the funnel. We've actually created several gamification executions for trade shows, including a tweet and win vending machine that drove awareness of a new mobile product. To win the prize, you actually had to tweet about the product from the show floor near the vending machine, and magically a prize would be dropped right there in the vending machine. Mm -hmm. This generated a ton of attention both at the show and on social media. This was a way to create buzz around something just because it was interesting and engaging and different, and it reinforced the value that we were trying to promote. Yvette, I know you loved that program. And <laughs> I love that program so much. <laughs> I know, I did too. It was really cool. But we would also be remiss if we didn't mention a sponsorship as an awareness building strategy, since we did touch on that briefly. And of course, if you negotiate it right, a sponsorship can actually deliver value at every single step of the customer journey. It should. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yet the top of the funnel awareness is what most sponsors are known for. And the key is to ensure that your target audience is a fan of what you are sponsoring. Yes. Otherwise, you're not going to get your right prospects, right? So a really great example of this is years ago, we used soccer as a sponsorship for Makita Power Tools to capture the attention of the Hispanic contractors. And this set the brand apart from all the competitors for so many reasons. 
we nailed it to what their love interest is, which is soccer, and nobody else was doing it. And they sat up and they took note. And guess what? Makita is still doing it. And it's about 20 years later. That's something that's working. That's absolutely true, Sherry. And my favorite story about how awareness drove Makita sales was when we learned from the regional sales team that they actually um, put, um, Makita at the time was sponsoring the Mexican national team. And they drove sales of the Makita circular saws in one retail location just by putting sponsorship stickers on the outside of the boxes. I mean, like they literally, you know, the only thing we had for the sponsorship at the time, it was just starting was the, you know, the lockup logos and that was it. Sent them out as stickers. These guys put them on the packaging. That was it. And guess what? They blew off the shelves. Okay. And at that point, Mm -hmm. the sales guys were sold and they're like, wow, we see the power of this brand right now. And that really explains, um, as Sherry said, why they um, continue to engage with the sponsorship for decades. And each of these programs drove awareness and ultimately sales for our clients in very different ways. And that's the takeaway. There's really no single correct answer. Just make sure it's strategically sound. Yes. And results come when you consistently provide helpful information to your ideal customer persona at the top of the funnel. Okay. Mm -hmm. You get results when you give them a reason to engage. And then you create offers that help guide them to that next step in the customer journey. And that's a wrap for today, guys. So thanks for listening in. Join us for our next episode as we cover offers at the consideration stage of the customer journey. Also remember to subscribe to our channel so you can get alerted on our new content and even better, join our newsletter for more in-depth coverage. You'll find both of those links in the show notes.